0: recording cool 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 test 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 10 four. cool so today we have with us the man the myth the legend the guy that <laughs> called me out the one that said i wasn't worth the money i'm messing with you it's all, all good we already talked about this on their podcast you know our man islam one of the one of the guys here in denmark running his own uh, not running his own but part of the danish national leagues um
1: podcast
0: um so we got a different guy
1: for you. Yeah, we had that, that little rivalry. So we kind of shot back and forth, and and uh, he's been talking about us, and his podcast had Dez on there, and made some things work, and now he's on ours. But, you know, there's a lot more to Islam than, than just the football, and we started talking and, and uh, checking out his background. He's actually been in the entrepreneurial world. I mean, trading, finances, obviously has a, a rich background in football, so we'll get to some football talk later on, but... Uh, Islam, kind of let's talk about something other than football. You know, who are you and then what have you been uh, doing so far?
2: Well, first and foremost, uh, let me say say hi to all your gentle listeners. (laughs) Um, Well, basically, to make it as brief as possible, um, I have a master's degree in finance and international business. Um, And then my first job was um, a portfolio manager. For a medium sized Norwegian firm working within the electricity trading, uh, which, you know, up until that point when I joined the firm, what I knew about electricity is basically, it's, you know, you get it out of a stick, that's it. Um, so that was the whole new world. Uh, it was extremely interesting. Um, my last year, I was a head of um, short term uh, trading department. And then a year ago, um, I decided to, to move on, um, and I joined a, a firm, um, which is a startup, basically a tech startup. And one of my friends, um, whom I actually used to work with in the previous firm, and who actually played uh, center at Orhus Tigers for several years, and that's how we got to know each other, um, he, uh, he opened the firm with his friend, and they asked me to join. Um, and I felt like at that point, you know, I got no kids, I got no girlfriend, I got no responsibility, you know, I only have to provide basically for myself. And I always wanted to try to build up a company. So I felt like it was a great opportunity to do that. And so that's what I've been doing so far for the past year.
1: Awesome. Startup life. But, uh, kind of take us back from the beginning though. Did you grow up here? Um, uh, where did you go to school and how'd you get in that football world too? Uh, well, uh, no, I came to Denmark as a
2: refugee uh, when I was almost 13. Originally, I come from Chechnya, um, so I'm a war refugee as a kid I experienced war and, and saw a lot of different stuff. Um, and then uh, after I lost my father, uh, my mom decided that it was, um, it was time to, to save my life, so to say. Um, so that's how we ended up in Denmark. Um, so for the first period of time in Denmark um, I was living in a refugee camp and then moved to a, a small town uh, in south of Jutland, um, which is south of Denmark um, and, and started going to school there. Um, and then basically in you know, high school, uh, then I got to university and actually when I um, when I moved to the another town where I started going to high school, uh, which in Denmark is called Gymnasium. Um, that's um, what happened was, and and I remember like it was yesterday, it was December 2005 uh, and I was watching this uh, great movie with Adam Sandler, The Longest Yard, uh, and I saw people knocking each other out, and I was like, what the hell is this? This looks awesome. And then in January 2006, um, I joined a a local small club in the uh, town of Culling. And it all took off from there, basically, with regards to football life.
1: You fell in love with the game?
2: Oh, yeah, man. Um, You know, for the first couple of years, and again, it was a small club, uh, football knowledge was at a minimum. I mean, literally, I was, told that i could you know hit people in the face and you know grab their face mask and all kinds of shit. um there was <laughs> there was no uh technique knowledge at that point officiating space at that level was horrible so thinking about some of the stuff that i did um you know <laughs>
0: gives me chills so but, really uh, playing like the longest yard
2: oh yeah for sure <laughs> i mean uh, butting heads with people um And then, in two thousand and seven uh, I don't know how um, i was um, I went to a tryout for uh u Danish national team and uh, they picked me for the camp um and i mean that's where to be honest, the whole perspective on football changed for me because the whole new world opened up you know I was taught technique, I was taught tactical aspect of the game um and that wasn't something that existed in my world that much up until that point. Again, I was taught, you know, to just butt heads with the guys and punch them and stuff like that. Um, so that blew me completely away and I wanted to, to learn more. Uh, and that's, you know, after that, I basically, you know, started to for real falling in love in football. Up until that point, it was mostly camaraderie. And also, it was, you know, when you're 16 years old, you got a lot of, you know, you're a teenager, you got a lot of stuff going on. So it was a good way of, you know, um, getting a lot of energy out um, and, you know, punching people, so to say, legally on a field. But after that, it was all of the other aspects of football that, you know, that grabbed me.
1: Yeah, I just got to ask something quick because, jeez, um, I didn't know the whole refugee uh Part, which is a really big topic going on in the States you now on the border. and But uh, can you kind of speak on that, that life and coming from that? And then I assume what I'm getting at is was football an outlet? I'm talking about the, all the built up frustration you could punch and do all that kind of thing. Is that where you're getting to?
2: Yeah, well, you we can say that. You know, again, I was uh, when I came to Denmark, um, you know, again, I was almost 13. Um, and, you know, um as i said i've seen a lot of i've seen a lot of shit to put it blatantly and i'm not necessarily going to get into it it's not a topic that you know i'm that much into discussing um but but you know wearing and say i uh as a small child um i, I lived through the war I actually lived through it you know and uh and i had a lot of memories and there you know some things, especially the first couple of years in denmark um we were living uh in the small town where i was living it was close to a um like a flight base um and you know when you're living in the war as soon as you hear you know flights um uh, coming on you expect that you know the bombing carpet is going to start basically so uh and we were living in a um in apartments now so it's apartment building and what you do is to to ensure that you might survive you would run down to the basement because you know the whole shed collapses you know you might survive in the basement so when you hear the flies the first thing you know your first reaction is run down to the basement so imagine now you know uh a year or so removed and you're living next to this uh flight base um in this small town so there are a lot of flights and so uh you know that, you know, that would freak me out. Um, and naturally, like, you get up, you jump up, and, and you're ready to go. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of fun. But uh, from, from, from the perspective of, you know, um, I don't have any siblings, so it was me and my mom. Um, and when you're refugee, when everything is new to you, you know, I, had, uh, I have had a tough time making friends, you can say it um you know we have to learn the language and you know the cultures are different there are a lot of you know there are a lot of stories about you know trying to integrate into the society so so football kind of gave gave me some of my first um friendships in uh in denmark which was which, which was of high
0: value for me so was it was it pretty tough like were the danes pretty accepting of you being here or like did they help you integrate or like help you learn the language or was it, you know, pretty tough to be, be here,
2: you know, cause you started oh. all
0: over at 13.
2: Well, yeah. And you know, you can say, um, at, at that age kids are me. Right. Uh, um, so, and I was put usually in like, in the large, uh, towns, cities, like you have like special classes for foreigners, but I was living in a very small town, so I was put directly in a class with a lot of the Danes, and I couldn't speak Danish properly, so there was, you know, people made fun of me, and uh, there were a lot of, you know, like, again, small stories where it was really frustrating, um, and, you know, and by nature, uh, I'm, you know, I'm not necessarily a super aggressive guy, uh, but at some point you know you get in situations where it 's hard to contain, and I remember like my first real Danish friend was actually a girl who I went to class with, and the funny story is she was like you know the hottest girl in the class,
0: mm-hmm. like
2: everybody would hit on her, and so you know I was like and nobody this chubby kid you know that barely can speak danish and um, and she was so opening to me, and she was the like a real reason um that I didn't become, you know, aggressive or negative towards Danes, you know what I mean? Like, there are a lot of foreigners, in, even in Denmark, like, you know, having having a wrong attitude and, and wrong way of going about things. And and if you're not met with, with love, if you're not met re- with respect, you know, and it's very easy that, you know, aggression is met with aggression, right? Um, and 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 that girl, uh, you know, she opened, uh, you know, uh, her heart. So said to me, and we became friends, and you know, became friends with her family. And then when she did that, then some of the other guys, like, you know, started to look at me, you know, like, well, you know, maybe that guy is alright. Uh, and so that is how it started rolling for me, you can say. But but it but it, it is, I mean, for anybody, it's it's extremely tough process to. To integrate in, in a society, with, especially when the culture is so different and the language is so different, um, there are a lot of challenges that goes with that.
1: Yeah, very interesting. Um, so you, you integrated, you started playing some ball, meeting new friends, um, developing relationships, and then you had to go to, to college, right? And you went to study uh, finance and uh, trading, huh? International business. International business. Yeah.
2: Yeah well so you know I've uh, I've always been and the way I was raised up uh, I've always been goal oriented so you know you got a I got a chance to you know and I'll always be thankful um you know for what Denmark has provided me providing me with an opportunity to have life um basically and 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 have a future so one would be stupid not to take advantage of it because you know from you know, in Chechnya, at that point, you know, there was a, the whole war with the Russians. You're not aware about what, you know, that, that conflict. Um, and at that point, in year 2000, um, Russians said that officially, um, if you're uh, 10 years or older, uh, a Chechen, then you're, uh, then you're a terrorist. And they consider you a terrorist or potential terrorist. So basically at that point, right, I'm 11, so I was considered in, in the eyes of, of Russians a terrorist uh, or potential terrorist, right? So, so just by that token, you know, my life is in danger, you know what I mean? So I'm getting to this new place where I get an opportunity to, to become something. So I um, always was focused on that and, and making sure and, you know, with, with the huge support of my mom, even when, you know, in the teenage age, you're always, every, every single one of us has been, you know, rebellious in one way or another. But she always guided me uh, into the right direction. So, you know, I went to the university. Um, I started, I, you know, I had a bachelor um, in business administration and then my, uh, yeah, my master's in finance and international business. Well, what was
0: so interesting about that, why you chose that field?
2: Well, um, to be honest with you, I wanted um, in college, I had a great uh, marketing teacher. And I wanted to start marketing. But at that point, I, to, I wanted to get to uh, Aarhus University. And the only way there would have been for me to study um, business administration and then get my master's in marketing. And so that was my plan right I, up until I was supposed to pick, you know, what I want to study for master's. And I, um, you know, there were like at this university, they do um, introductions to each master's um, line and work and where you can study. And the way it was structured at that point and the people that pr- were presenting did such a horrible job. And right there, I was like, what the hell? You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna study this. And you know, I did my research and, and I figured that finance international business, because um, I never was a hardcore finance guy, and and combination of these two gave me a, a broad opportunity, especially post graduation to to get a job, and there was a study line that also had one of the highest um, employment rates post graduation. So. There were a lot of good things about going in that direction, and to be honest, um, I haven't regretted it.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously you turned out to be a very successful, you know, graduating and kind of the poster child for a refugee, you know, an immigrant coming in here and making something uh, out of the opportunities uh, given. So you, went, um, you said you were trading uh, finance, uh, electricity, is that what you said? Yes, sir. How does that work?
2: <laughs> how, how How long do we got on this podcast episode layman's
1: terms layman's <laughs> terms
2: So it's basically uh, fundamentally uh it works uh the same way as you would imagine with stocks you know there's you know there's a buyer and a seller. The thing is with electricity, it's such a fascinating market um and and fascinating industry in itself because uh One huge thing is that electricity cannot be stored. Like, no one has a huge battery. So, each country in the world uh, needs to make sure that supply and demand of electricity uh, is equal. Because if it's uh, undersupply, you're going to black out. If it's uh, oversupply, then you're in a situation where, like, you know, your entire grid will go down. Uh, because you simply cannot handle the load. So we need to make sure that electricity gets out of your grid, that excessive electricity gets out of your grid. And I was working specifically with what is called physical trading, whereas um, there is also financial trading, which is very similar to, again, financial markets, products such as futures and forwards um, and uh, where you, of course, you know, you want to sell uh, futures in electricity, have a future contract, you can do that with a, you know, delivery in, let's say, 2022. Um, and again, that's similar to very similar to financial products, whereas physical trading was actual a megawatt hour moved from spot A to spot B, but it actually got traded uh, in a market. No, no, wait, hold on.
0: You're going to have to explain to me how you are trading electricity. Because to me, it sounds like you just send an email of, oh, here you go, you get a little bit of my electricity, or <laughs> I'm, I'm sending you like a lightsaber or a battery or something like that. What, what, like, how we were trading electricity. <laughs> All right. So,
2: listen to this. Imagine that uh, you got a electricity electric production facility, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you, got a, you got a small coal power plant. You produce electricity. Uh, let's say your maximum capacity is 12 megawatts hour. Um, meanwhile, uh, my man Nick right here, he's uh, you know he got a company uh, you know which will you know consumers basically he has he's delivering electricity to uh, to random folks you know like he got an area in I don't know in California somewhere he has a company that make sure to deliver electricity to, you know, mere peasants, so to say. <laughs> okay. So, but for Nick, he, his job is to make sure that that electricity actually gets delivered, right? hmm So, he says, listen, I have these guys, and they need in total, you know, there might be 200 houses In California, who are his customers, and they need two megawatt hour of power per day, for example, and he says, "I want to buy that, right?" And that's where you come into picture because that's you're actually producing electricity, right? So say, "You want, you know what, my man? I can sell you that at this particular price." So that's what happened. Oh, and interesting.
1: <laughs> interesting nowadays too, with uh, everyone trying to go away from fossil fuels and all that. And electricity is so big; you must have been doing pretty well. And then to take the jump to get into a startup—you know, risking that security. You said you have, you know, no wife or kids, so you can take that risk. But you know, let's kind of talk about getting into—you know, taking that leap into entrepreneurship.
2: Well, um, you know. Um, I got to a point in my previous job where I felt like, you know, I grew out of, you know, out of my shoes, so to say, so I needed to move on and I actually, to to make the matter worse to your point, I had a job offer in Berlin for a larger company, but with a similar role um, and, you know, and actually a better salary and what I found out throughout my first five years of experience, um, yeah. it actually doesn't matter what you do. What matters is who you do it with. Yeah. Um, and, and I had, have a great relationship with, uh, you know, I call him my friend, a guy named Bjorn, who, uh, who I told you I used to work with, that opened this firm. And, and when he asked me if I wanted to join them, um. Uh, and because it was something else I always wanted to try, you know, I thought, you know, well, screw it. Uh, this is a great opportunity to try out something else I to try out and do it uh, with, you know, with someone that I know I have a great relationship with. And, and that's when you get to a point because, you know, um, there is, you know, high risk of failure, uh, like in many things you do in life. So for me, it was, you know, do I believe in myself and do I believe in the people who am I about to do this? with? And the answer was clear cut, yes. And, and I took the jump.
1: Awesome. How's it been? Is it is it been hard? A lot more hours? A uh, lot more uh, anxiety? How, how's the, the company been going? I mean, you
2: know, there definitely has been a lot of challenges
1: that I didn't expect.
2: Uh, but it's also, it's a completely, it's a completely new industry. Something that I know nothing about. Um, I have five years of specialization within electricity uh, industry, and and suddenly now I jumped over to intellectual property rights and working with lawyers and understanding that field. Um, so there were a lot of things that you you know you can get information about on Google. <laughs> Um, that you Blue
0: university you man once you get, become an adult it's the best thing
2: <laughs> so so you know I had to learn a lot of stuff on the fly um, but this is something I also believe I'm, I'm uh, pretty good at learning stuff on the fly and also then the difference is that one of the main challenges and I'm sure you know if there are guys that are listening to it who, who are entrepreneurs um, the the challenge that I've never thought about that, that, that hit me is you get very quickly caught up in daily operations, meanwhile you're also the same guy that is supposed to do, you know, the strategical work, you know, the tactical work, uh, planning. So being able to navigate between, you know, having your hands in the dirt, but still at the same time, you know, making sure that you remove yourself and have this uh, macro perspective. Um, that has been a huge challenge, and it is to this day today. You got to do
0: everything. So, like, man, I don't even know what to ask you. Nigga. Where are you going next? You know what I mean? Because you're starting something new. Like, do you ever see yourself doing something next
1: after this? Well, you Besides started me,
0: the podcast. You do? Well, he didn't start the podcast. He, was, he, was, he joined in on it this year.
1: Okay, you got into that, so you like challenges, right? I mean, you got in there and you started talking shit right away on that podcast. so <laughs> we talk about your creative you know process and, and you know obviously you you have your background in football and you love it, so you, you joined a podcast, correct about the national league?
2: Yes, sir. Um, i mean I don't know I don't think I have much to tell you about the creative part of that, uh, to be honest, the reason I joined is because I decided to take, you know, a break from coaching. Uh, But I wanted to make sure that I still, you know, was involved in one way or another with the league. Um, And the guys that started National League podcast, they did it last year, and I was listening to it, and I think they did a great job. But I felt like they were, you know, too politically correct. Too soft
0: is what you're trying to say.
1: Controversy sells. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you go ahead and say they were a little two songs <laughs> you wanted to go in there and say some wild stuff <laughs> and you know so
2: yeah basically i thought no i can i can i can i could i felt like i could bring some juice to the podcast and 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 that's all the guys that's you know that's what i feel i can contribute with but i also made it clear there was my reason you know to because I knew if I did something within the league, then it it would you know, naturally force me to watch all of the games and keep up with the players and all of that. Um, so so that's why I did it. It wasn't necessarily because I really wanted to do a podcast. You know what I mean? But right. there was just the way where I felt like, you know, this is maybe where I can both get something out of it and contribute with something.
1: Yeah, it's ever- in the, the whole marketing and... And being controversial, it's like, tell you what, everyone loves to get angry. Everyone loves to be strong, and opinionated, and when you call out people, then you get them hyped up and and come back at you. That's why when you first did, I'm like, okay, he's not too dumb. You know what I mean, he's trying to. He got us to talk about you, and it was it was really good. So, and like I said in that uh, the previous podcast when I addressed you, is that I'm happy you're doing it because it's nice to get someone people that care about the league that talk about the league. You know what I mean? It's it's good to bring up. Denmark football, but Des, you were about to say something. Do you do you ever think you're gonna commentate like for a game
0: or anything like that? Um, I was actually asked to
2: uh, to commentate Tigers games a couple of times, um, but I couldn't because I'm too emotionally attached. Uh, to yeah, that, the that's
0: tough to do. You were you were coach
2: there, so you can't really. Yeah, so I feel like you know, if, if I'm gonna commentate, I would that it would I would be you know I would basically be a fan commentating a game, a fan of a particular team, and I feel like I wouldn't be able to deliver a product that you know I feel like it, it would be a good product. Um, uh, but I definitely you know opportunity presents itself with you know the teams that I'm not emotionally involved with. Um, I would, you know I would give it a try. It could be fun.
1: Now, coming back to this, this podcast and still being part of League and covering it, how do you go into your episodes? How do you say, okay, you know what, I'm going to say, Rooney, you're doing this wrong. Like, what goes in your head when you're thinking about creating this content? Because a lot of people don't create. They just consume. You know what I mean? Obviously, you're doing something right because people are listening.
2: Well, um, you know, we're three guys uh, that are involved uh, in the podcast and um prior to the beginning of the season um you know we looked at you know how the because the guys last year were doing episodes each week and their experience was you know there was too little to talk about like it it would be routine stuff you know well how did this game go how did that game go um and especially you know like when when you know a, uh, a top two team meet a uh, bottom two team, right? Um, like, oh well, what do you expect? Well, I expect freaking gold diggers to beat the shit out of uh, Ulens. You know what I mean? What's gonna happen? Um, so they said they wanted to do. Episodes every second week, maybe even further apart. So we looked onto you know when would it make sense to do it, and besides the games. What topics would we touch upon, and then also at the same time, the guys wanted to let the things that in evolve throughout the season, uh, you know, affect the content, uh, and not just plan every single episode, you know, half a year uh, beforehand. Um, so that was like the overall planning, and then for my part, preparing for episode you know we had a topics like, you know, we did state of franchise stuff, and and most of that is, you know, I'm, you know, I'm making sure to watch film. I'm making sure to take notes. You know, I, I might talk to a coach here and there, uh, especially if there's some things that I don't understand that have taken place. Uh, but I'm trying to be as honest as possible. And, you know, I, I put some, you know, a little bit of swag into it, you know. So I allow <laughs> myself to be brutally honest if that's what needed to be happened, And you can take the whole thing with that. With uh, I knew that, you know, especially for for especially for Danish culture, just in general, that would be to say something like that is extremely controversial, right? But there might be, you know, there might be a lot of people thinking that, but no one would ever have the balls, you know, to tell a big athletic guy, by the way, I don't think you're worth your money, you know. But for me, it was like, you know. I can, I can make an educated argument, you know, for why and how. And at the same time, it brought some sauce to the episode, right? And it was, I think, this year was the episode that had the most listeners.
1: 100%. 100% that's what I respect about you, because in this Danish culture, everyone's passive-aggressive. No one says nothing. No, I mean, it's all hidden, and everyone wants to be fine and Danny. But at least you can come out and say something. And you're right. At least you can... Back it up with what you think, your perception. Not just saying random shit. I mean, hey, if you want to talk to me, Dez, let's watch film. You know what I mean? So how do you feel the league's going this year so far?
2: Well, <clears throat>
0: I think it's,
2: um, it's going well. There are certain things that are more competitive. I've, I've expected... Um, So this is what I expected before the season started, because we're having so many import quarterbacks uh, this year. I guess I was expecting several offenses to be high flying, a lot of offensive production. But I think what happened is that offensive production from the different teams didn't necessarily increase dramatically. I think the goal is your team is the team where, you know, with with Nick being there, um, some of the youngsters moving up, O line got better. That's the team that got drastically improved in terms of offense compared to last year. Oh, no, yeah, even that's the,
0: a big improvement from last year.
2: Even the year before. But what I feel actually like that the defenses got worse, um, which contributed to a lot of offensive production. Um, and, and that, that wasn't something I expected. Of course, I need to mention uh, 89ers and their offense, which has also improved uh, a lot.
1: That OC is that pretty good. I don't know him, 89ers, but the, the plays you drawn up I saw. The dude kind of knows what he's doing. Um, what do you think of uh, this league? And Obviously, you're trying to build it with the podcast and you know, the game's given so much to you. Uh how do you see this thing get moving the next 5 years? How do we get on, you know, get a lot of money coming in here and building it up, you know what I mean? <laughs> Million dollar question. I have a lot of opinions
2: um on that matter. Um I've been involved in the game for many years and being, you know, having, you know, we can say business experience, uh, there are a lot of things that haven't been working out um, on the federation level. Um, and you know, I'm uh, I'm on the edge a little bit here because you know, I have to remind you, I'm also a national team coach.
1: Yeah, right? so, yeah too much crap about them. So, so right, so right now,
2: I'll be
0: criticizing. You can say my employers, right?
1: They, uh, I'm right there with you now.
0: I'm with the national team.
2: <laughs> so you better be careful.
0: Yeah, exactly, man. That's
1: all you. you <laughs> hey, to criticism—that's totally fair game. I mean, they should be able to take it.
2: But but the point is, um, I think the team teams pay a lot of money. There are obviously some support from the overall sports federation of Denmark. So the first thing you've got to look at: how do you allocate your money in general? This uh federation has been losing members year by year every single year the number of players playing football in denmark has decreased especially uh when we talk about youth right like everything else of what you do you got to build a strong foundation right for growth of sports the strong foundation is building youth right your team right now if you look five years in the future your team is the only team where I can see you actually might have a future in five years. Most of other clubs I don't see. And you know, there, if you if you look at the again, if you look at the youth, uh, seven years ago, uh, you know, you had several eleven men teams in U nineteen. You had a few eleven men teams in U sixteen. Right now, you can barely play nine men football. Yeah, right that's an issue right and but that issue because you neglected recruiting in one way or the other or the way you chose to invest in your recruitment was incorrect right so this is this is the nitty-gritty issue that you gotta look into and my problem is right now when when i look at it to be honest with you I have my questions whether the Merck will have functioning football in 10
1: years. Does it um do you think it's a symptom of uh the concussions and cuz a lot of people in the states little kids are moved on to other sports now cuz of the whole concussion scare and or is football not as popular anymore here?
2: I mean there are you know concussion definitely uh and and the whole issue with that um you know um uh, has played some type of role. There's also, you cannot ignore the fact that, you know, if you look at Danish society, but, we're, you know, in general, uh, most of the Western world and, and the social challenges that are happening right now, you know, in Denmark, um, there was a lot of collectives and there were a lot of unions. So you were very focused and, on doing things together, you know, right? There was a high value of, of you know, uh, be, being a volunteer in in any context because it brought a lot of value to your life achieving something with other people now you know when you look at the youngsters these days right they're instagram influencers right people will be going to the gyms you know showing off tight feet you know like you know like my man Des right here doing curls in front of the mirror you know giving the girls the look it has become you know we moved from society that has had we as a focus to having I as a focus. So even, you know, getting kids involved in team sports or any team type of activities is getting tougher. Okay. There are, there, you know, there are numbers on the national plan for all of the sports that have been presented. And now when you look, especially a country like Denmark, that is, you know, a soccer country and a handball country, right? And when those clubs are losing members, what do you expect? You know, in this sport like football, to do? I
0: think great... also, I think also, you come into play with with parents, man. You know what I mean? Like they they sign their kids up for something, and then their kid has maybe too much homework or has a headache or something, and it's just like, okay, you can miss. Or the the player, their their kid is, well, I'm not happy playing anymore, or some don't they don't finish out the season and just let them quit?
2: Yeah, because you you you. You have to do what you love to do. Oh, and if you did like that one practice, you better quit that shit, you know, and go back to playing Fortnite or whatnot. You know what I mean? Like, so overcoming the struggles uh, is something that, you know, that there aren't enough focus on uh, because it is too easy nowadays to give a kid an iPad and say, entertain yourself, my man, instead of actually figuring out, you know, how you going to keep your kid entertained, how you going to keep your kid evolve, you know. So the, the also technological part of it has it just made things too easy and not in a good way.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's, we're talking about really deep social issues. I don't know how we got to this point, but it's so true. I mean, and, and football is a game that turns boys into men. We talk about it all the time. Working with the team, going through adversity, going through tough times, uh, listening to commands—you know, up top—and you, your points are right. I mean, now every, these kids are, you know, softer, and and mommy and daddy go cry and give them everything. And wow, that made a lot of made a lot of sense right there, Islam. Maybe I gotta start listening to your hot takes.
0: <laughs> no, but I was—you're spot on, especially with the parents and all the kids nowadays. Um, doing things that. You know, there's if they don't like it. They're going to quit. But I think it's going to take people like us coming in from different cultures, showing them that um, it's not everything is handed to you, you know, because we're in a society right now where schooling is free and all this other stuff. But, you know, it's not always going to be that way for the kids that actually do want to continue on to play football, want to go to the States um, and all that stuff. Like you're going to be going up against guys that, you know, that's that's how they put food on their table. So we got to build that mindset from a young age.
1: And there's that there's that saying too, because let's be honest, you know we've talked about it a lot of times in this podcast. Denmark's like a utopia for a lot of reasons. You now I mean the free healthcare, the what Des said, the education. There's no crime. I mean, and they say what's that quote? The strong men or, or tough times make strong men. Strong men make good times, and good times make weak men. You know what I mean, and maybe we're seeing that firsthand here in Denmark through the lens of American football. Which is pretty pretty interesting. I mean,
0: I, I wouldn't call it a utopia because our, our differences are just, I mean, our, our struggles are different than their struggles. So you can't really say it's a utopia because for certain people like Islam, when he came in, it, was, it wasn't not a, like a complete utopia for him. He still has struggles. Everyone's struggles is just going to be different.
1: The craziest thing is if you took uh, American struggling with debt <sighs> and brought them over here, they think they're in, in heaven. But like you said, humans find issues the, the bitch about. And I mean, they say there's more happy pills here than, you know, anywhere. You know, in the seasonal disorder, in the, in, in, the, in the winter, and you talk to some people, they cry about something else. You know, they got everything, but then they cry about these issues, which is true. Everyone's got different issues. But, you know,
2: think about it, and something that, you know, we talk a lot about in, in, in football, philosophically, you know, one of your biggest enemies is complacency, right? I mean, when things are going good, you know, you're relaxed. Right. I mean, even looking at myself and and how I perceive things today compared to 10 years ago, you know, there is a big difference. And with regards to that, I would actually one of the interesting things to look at, in my opinion, is religion and the number of religious people um, in different countries. Because let's say uh, again, we're in Denmark. We take Denmark as as an example, you know, which is officially a... um, a Christian country, but you know, most of the people we meet are atheists, right? They uh, they don't believe they don't believe in God, right? So, then let's have a look. The last time there's been a war in 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 Denmark, or you know, that was back in eighteen fifty something with you know uh, Germany, right? They lost a uh, lot of territory. That's it, you know. Uh, Second World War, of course, had an effect on, on Denmark, but a, you know, a very limited effect. Then, you know, so they haven't experienced that type of conflict. Now you look at Denmark, you know, from a uh, geographical point, right, it's a flat country, it's, of course, surrounded by sea, but, you know, you're not in the area where you get a lot of, uh, you get a lot of storms, you know, you don't have earthquakes, you don't have anything. You, as a population, you are not stressed. You are not challenged. So, the more years go from what are you, you know, last time you experienced something that was stressful on you, truly stressful that threatened fundamentally your existence, right? The more times, the more time it goes, the more you start to believe, you know, I achieved everything myself. I don't, you know, there, there is no higher power, right? And I'm not, you know just in, in general term you don't need some higher power you know to believe in cuz all is great let's you know if we look at the um, you know we look at, at a regular family in in flint michigan right experiencing all of the stress that they're experiencing you know fundamentally having issues with drinking water right you you know then you look at you know uh, parents not being able to provide for themselves, right? Now you look at the gun violence, right? Your life is basically, in different terms, constantly threatened. You are constantly under fundamental stress. And I would imagine, in a, you know, in the state of Michigan, there are a lot of believers in God. Because, you know, when you get to a point that you're so stressed, you need some higher power to believe in, Right? That's what happens to you. So talking about you know them being utopia, I don't know, but I'm just I think it's that the, the stress level is in the, you know completely different. It's on a different level, right? And and that's the main difference um, when you look at it.
1: And you see it in a micro way on the football field with how they compete with one another. Now I mean America, the you're, you're dying on that field. You know what I mean? People got to get theirs. They got to go to college. You go to the junior college life, you see that, you see crazy things. And in here, you know what I mean? It's kind of like patty cake, all high fives. There's no killer instinct. And, and there's a saying here too, like don't show off or something or everyone's equal. You know, like there's no like, I'm going to get ahead. And that's the American mindset. Is it 100% good? No, we got a lot of issues, but that's why our economy runs shit too. But there is no stress really here. That's the, the thing. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, basically, yes. Yeah, yeah.
2: But I think, you know, the competitive mindset, um, it's when the competition is high, it's easy to breed competitive mindset. Again, if we look at Denmark, uh, back when I started at university, it was right around the financial crisis. And the kids I started with, studying a lot of, you know, several of them, like, you know, if I don't have funds, I'm going to quit college, you know. <laughs> like if I don't get this out of it, I'm going to quit college. And it was easy to get into a college. Now we fast forward just 5 years, you know, and to this we can fast forward 10 and say well, now we're here today, the competition is much higher because suddenly due to the effects of financial crisis, uh, unemployment rate increased, right? So if you can get straight out of high school and get a job that's going to pay you $5,000 a month, you know, then what are you going to do? Well, I guess I got to study. And when enough people have the same mindset, suddenly, you know, there are too many people. All right, then we're going to increase our requirements how to get into the university. The next thing is the kids are like, oh, shit, I need to open my books and study because if I don't get this, you know, this GPA, right, I'm not going to get in. So that way, uh, and it's just a simple exa- example of you know how we went from a so say non-competitive area to a, a pretty ex- competitive area right now. Like there, there are some of the starter lines extremely difficult to get into.
1: Yeah, competition breeds success. Des, you got some some final thoughts? We hit on a lot of different topics here. Jeez. yeah,
0: there's a, there's a whole bunch of things on here. So if you want one of our thing, one, one thing for our listeners to know about you, what would it be well since we yes. haven't
2: uh, since we haven't uh talked uh, barely uh enough football, i'd say uh know something actually uh on your one of the previous podcasts where you commented on some of the things that I said, Nick and you said well. It was something like it was obvious to you that I like football. So what I want to tell you, Nick, and I might as well let your listeners know, I don't like football. You know, football is part of me. Right. I love football. I bled for football. I sacrificed my health for football. Right. When we talk about work, I'm going to let you know my previous work. um, You know, I had a lot of responsibility had average week, you know, somewhere between over 60 and 80 hours a week. Then I would invest additional 40 to 50 hours into football, especially in season, right? Prepping the team, you know, doing the breakdown, doing the analysis. So we're talking about, you know, on a bad week, 120 hours gone like that, right? So, I, you know, I had time to sleep. And the reason I'm telling you that is to exemplify For a guy who already works 80 hours a week, right? If I didn't love football, you know, if I wasn't passionate about football, if football wasn't part of me, I would never in my life invest, you know, all of my spare time. So I barely would have, on average, six hours a night to sleep. So just to let you know, you know, I'm not your random guy you're gonna meet out there in football Denmark, you know, who likes football. No, I left for that shit, you know. I bled for that shit. Hey, so,
1: I love that. I love that. That means we got, we got stuff in common, all of us. There's a reason we're sitting here. Football's giving us so much. You got to respect the game. And, and uh, I appreciate that. And I look forward to, uh, you know, having some more conversations with you. you know I mean, you're, you're a smart dude. So, and keep that podcast going. I need some more hot takes. You know I mean? Put my name out <laughs> there.
2: Well, thank you for having me on. And uh, I expect us to meet in person fairly soon.
0: Yes, yes. sir. Appreciate, awesome. having,
1: appreciate you being on, man. Gold Diggers Mermaid Bowl, that was Islam's prediction. It was, it was. I'm not going to run away from it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, brother, have a good one.